Um, my name is Dave Izbitsky. I'm on the Alexa team. And I, uh, it is my pleasure to introduce Scott Totman from Capital One. We are just two guys from the East Coast uh, who have kind of fallen into this voice space. And we were both here last year. Did anybody hear us talk last year? Okay. Last year, I walked through building a skill on stage, and I kind of showed the technical aspect of it, how you could create it, you know, a skill in like three minutes. And Scott was on stage talking about how Capital One was about to release an Alexa skill. So we thought about, what do we do now? It's been a year. And I talk to companies all the time. I talk to developers and partners. And what I continually hear is, I know Node. I know JavaScript. I know how to do C Sharp or Java. What I don't know, Dave, is how do I drive voice as a user interface inside my organization? How do I create an experience for my customers that makes them feel like they're talking to a human being and not my help desk call system that we all have to go through where we hit one and we say, operator, operator, right? So what we thought we would do today is I'll kick this off and I'll talk a little bit about what we've done as Amazon listening to all of your feedback to help enable better experiences with Alexa. And then I'm going to hand it over to Scott and Scott is going to talk about what that experience was actually like inside the company. How did they figure out what people actually wanted with banking with Alexa? What was the other pieces of the organization like? And more importantly, how did they take feedback and then iterate on that? And then we've got a, a very special treat at the end. We've brought an echo here. So uh, we're going to have a little demo of kind of the next iteration of some of the things that Capital One's skill is going to do. So you're all going to have that. work, of course. Yeah, it'll, it'll always work. Don't say something like that. <laughs> um, and so you'll get a sneak peek before anybody else of kind of where all this is headed. Sound good? All right. So at Amazon, we believe that voice is the next major disruption in computing. It is an area where we are investing heavily. It is equal, we feel, to the revolutions that we've all sat through with cloud, with mobile, uh, with web. I may date myself, but I remember going from DOS into Windows uh, and that desktop revolution into the cloud, into mobile. All of that has happened and has created this interface that's written entirely for the ear and not the eye. And as human beings, we all know how to have a conversation. It's just natural. There are so many subtleties. There is so much context that machines were not able to understand. It was funny. We were having a conversation this morning about the HBO show. Has anybody seen Westworld? Yeah. Um, and a lot of that, you can see the AI. You can see the deep neural networks and how machines, instead of me as a developer to code every single thing they would say, they have millions of decision trees in a split second, all based on how they've learned. And that's really the difference with Alexa. She's been learning every day, every second of every day. You're going to see us announce things uh, over time of how we've continued to take her learnings, and we're making that available to everyone. And we think through that, there's going to be an Alexa skill 
for anyone, anywhere, for anything. And so voice becomes this interface that is the primary user interface, kind of how mobile replaced all of the desktop computing that we had. Doesn't mean it's the only interface. Uh, in fact, you do see that in Westwood where people are using tablets and other touch screens. But the ability to just talk and drive and interaction with technology with your voice is actually happening now. And that's exciting for me. As somebody who grew up with Star Trek and Star Wars, I'm like Picard walking in my home office when I ask for music and lights, right? And it just happens. And then I look like a madman in my hotel talking to a, a light bulb in my hotel room that doesn't go on, you know? And then I feel like, how, like Scotty going up, how quaint and hitting the light switch. So we are moving into this age and Echo and Alexa have been on this journey. So a lot of this didn't exist. We had cloud computing, we had machine learning, but we knew when we released this Echo device, we needed to invent something that allowed you to just talk to the air. The concept is called ambient computing. So this is what an Echo looks like. The dot's very similar up here at top. Um, and it has seven microphones, and it gives you the ability to talk to Alexa. And it's funny, we have her muted. Every time I say Alexa, I'm waiting for her to, to respond. Um, and it, for you to hear you as a human being, even in a, in a noisy room. And so through that, we've seen these incredible advances in accuracy in not just translating speech, but the ability to understand the intent behind speech. And if you've checked out the Echo Dot or you have an Echo at home, you may have seen this, um, where you ask to play music. And she will figure it out even if you didn't say the artist's name correctly. She's not translating that text. She's figuring out the context of the conversation and the intent of what you're asking for. So we started out with all of this basic functionality that Echo had, and we've added other core functionality over time. But we knew, through the lessons that we've seen, especially in, in AWS being an open platform, um, that this needed to be an open voice platform. This is not tied to any programming language, to any cloud platform. This is tied to you and your ideas and the ability for anyone to use voice anywhere. So as part of that, we released two SDKs, and you may remember this uh, at last year. We announced an Alexa skills kit, which you can see over here on the left. This gives you the ability to extend what Alexa does. In essence, just like a human being, you're teaching her new skills. If I want to write uh, and teach her about um, you know, running a half marathon, I can create the conversations that someone would have around a half marathon, give her those samples and she'll learn from that, and then she'll be able to speak about a half marathon, much in the same way that we all learn about concepts. And then we also released an Alexa voice service, which allows you to put Alexa into things. So you may have seen announcements for cars, um, for watches, for um, screens, all sorts of things. And we've really, we have seen this incredible momentum. We went from uh, just a handful of skills at the beginning of the year to over 5,000 skills. And so uh, if you are one of those developers who have written one of those skills, thank you. We continue to see um, skills getting submitted every day. So what have we learned uh, as Amazon since this time last year? Well, we thought a little bit about what are customers saying on the Amazon Echo review page. So if anyone's checked this out, there's over 40,000 reviews. 
7,000 of them have the word love in it. <laughs> and why is that? You know, as, as human beings, when we have a conversation and somebody gets you, you know, there, there's intimacy in that context. When somebody just gets you, I find myself doing that with Alexa where I'll say thank you, right? Or I'll say please, or I may even make a joke when I ask for something. Um, it's that connection that you don't get when you have a user interface with a bunch of tabs and a screen. And so we've created these core design principles. I'm not going to walk through all of them today, but we've created a guide that you can get online through our developer portal that you should think about while you're creating these experiences. The first is a skill should provide high value. If your skill takes the same amount of time to do something that it does on my mobile phone, I'm not going to use it. But if it's easier, for example, for me to walk in my house and say, Alexa, set home to 70 degrees, and my Nest turns the temperature down, that is way easier than going to my phone. So you need to provide high value. And for a lot of people, that is getting to the exact thing right away. A skill should evolve over time, much in the way that Echo and Alexa has. So you'll see this with Capital One. You, know, you start off with a core experience. A lot of times in your business, you already have data on that. There may be something in your mobile apps that 80% of your customers do every day. So you start with that core experience and you evolve it over time. Speak naturally and spontaneously. I don't need to teach myself a specific way to talk. I want Alexa to understand how I talk, and then she goes and speaks to all the technology out there. And then understanding most requests to your skill. This is super important when you create your interaction model, and you're going to hear how Capital One looked at the ways in which people ask for things when it comes to finance. Actually, teaching Alexa what to expect in a conversation will provide incredible value for understanding most requests to your skill. And then, of course, respond in an appropriate way. And we give you a bunch of tools to do that, including uh, the ability to play music, sound, uh, as well as changing the way that Alexa actually pronounces things. So here's a, you know, if we were to graph this out between high utility and low utility, um, voice kind of turns on its head what we would expect. So if we don't know what we want, a mobile app or a web-based app is great. I can go browse. I have all of these elements that have evolved since the desktop age, the ability to drill down information, tabbed interfaces. But if I know exactly what I want, having a voice-driven app uh, to perform that task is super quick and offers high utility. So here's an example of uh, setting a, an alarm for my house. That is way easier than going to a touchpad or pulling out a mobile app. And you'll see there is a scale here, so you can move between this. Uh, a lot of what we see today for skills are around the telling uh, area. So Alexa, tell me a cat fact. Um, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of, of, of these type of skills up there. And in fact, uh, you can go on Amazon.com today, and we have full integration with skills. And you can just search now on Amazon.com and see what customers are in. So you want to shoot for here, and you'll probably start off here. And it may be entirely different than what you've done for mobile or web. Voice is going to have a different type of utility. Something else that you really need to think about, and I've seen this happen time and time again, and it's happened to me. Let's say you have a mobile app. The first thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to ask for all of the parameters you had in your mobile app. So I have a screen, for example, that asked for your name and your account number. 
I'm going to ask you for what? Your name and your account number. That's not the way we have conversations as human beings. There's context. And in fact, I expect that you're going to know more about me over time. And you're going to ask me less questions over time. And in fact, I have the ability to ask you a question, and then we should change the entire direction of that conversation. Conversations are like water, right? They ebb and they flow, and sometimes they're unpredictable. And so this is a voice flow diagram that you have here. It's a little bit different than what you might see in a mobile or a web-based world because it's showing you the levels of conversation. And what we actually do, we've done this with the Alexa team, is we'll figure out all the parameters we need for a program we've already built, and then we'll go have conversations as human beings. <laughs> And we'll ask each other these questions. And if we get that feeling that you're asking me too much and my mind's kind of tuning out, I need another level in here. So if I was to create a skill, for example, for traffic information, and I'm going to start off with a nice name that's easy for everybody to pronounce. So invocation name is important. So this is an invocation name. We'll call this Travel Buddy. So the first time this runs, I know that I don't have a destination or home address yet, but I'm going to make it conversational. I'm going to say, hey, I'm Travel Buddy. Let's get you set up. So I figured out I needed to be in setup mode. It sounds like a human being. It doesn't sound like a program. And I'm going to go, I'm going to say Philadelphia. Now, notice I didn't ask for home and destination. I asked for one at a time. And then I have, okay, where are you going? I'm going to Boston. And then I give some information. The next time I run this skill, it's one and done. It's launch travel buddy, immediately your commute is currently five hours and two minutes, and then that's it. We are done with our conversation. Now, I could ask for more information if I want, but I've learned over time what's important to me, and skills need to do the same. So we're continuing to innovate on ways to help all of you build these experiences. If you haven't seen some of these, these are just some of the recent launches of technology that we've done. One of them is we heard time and time again, hey, I want to make a music app or a podcast app. I want the ability to stream full audio and pause it and, and have that integrated with the Echo device. Have you ever streamed music? You do something else like ask for the weather, and you go back the next day and you say Alexa play, and the music comes back? This supports all of that. Flash briefing. How many people here use a flash briefing on an Echo device? Okay. Uh, imagine you're walking into work, and you have your flash meeting, uh, briefing in the morning, and it tells you uh, your current AWS bill or how your EC2 instances did last night. You could write that today in a couple lines in Lambda in Node, and then you could integrate that into your flash briefing. Uh, you're going to see a category in the, in the skills section for local news stations, all sorts of things that can now integrate with that flash briefing. Uh, this is SSML here. So the ability to change the way that Alexa pronounces things. So if I'm doing a, a cardinal number like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or ordinal like 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, I could spell out hello and have it say H-E-L-L-O. And then we support phonemes. There's over 40 phonemes in the US language, and these are the vowel sounds. So you say tomato, I say tomato. Uh, if you have a specific term, uh, maybe inside your organization, and Alexa pronounces it funny, you can actually change the way she pronounces those things, including um, sound. And over here, you'll see the ability to do cards. 
So if I have a device like a Kindle or a Fire TV, uh, there are partner devices like the Nucleus that also have a screen, as well as your mobile phone. You can display information alongside the audio. And then we've introduced a list skill API. So we heard, hey, uh, you know, I like to set reminders. It would be great if you worked with the reminder apps that I have on my phone. So we open this up to everyone, uh, whether you have a, a, a reminder kind of skill in your own organization or you're using uh, an app, for example, like Todoist, which is a popular one. There's a couple of them out there for the iPhone that are now fully integrated. Uh, and then Smart Home. How many people here have Alexa using their Smart Home? All right. So in the beginning, you would say, Alexa, discover devices. And she'd figure out what was out there. Um, and it was limited in what she could do. And a lot of times, you had to then go figure out how to connect that hub or that light um, or that external thing to Alexa. Now, we have smart home skills. So it doesn't matter what device it is. So I'll, I'll use Nest or um, I have a Samsung smart things too. I simply install that skill. And when I say Alexa discover devices, she now knows everything, including all of the scenes and all of the other stuff that I've set up with that smart home device. And so that's been completely uh, now integrated across the board. And then AVS. So if you heard me speak a little bit about this last year, you could create your own Echo with a Raspberry Pi. We've had tremendous updates in AVS, uh, including Farfield. So now I could create an Echo with a Raspberry Pi that I can talk to without hitting a button. Uh, and there's a GitHub project for that, too, that you'll see. And then we've created virtual developer tools. This happens uh, if you don't have an Echo, which all of you uh, do now. But if you know someone who does it and they just want to check it out, you can go to echosim.io, and there's a full graphical Echo that allows people to test it out and check for the weather and things like that. So we're going to continue to innovate. We're going to continue to listen to feedback. Um, and I look forward to hearing from, from all of you on any kind of insights or suggestions you have that you'd love to see with Alexa. Sound good? All right. So uh, here happens to be the Amazon page. Capital One skill. Scott, the remote is yours. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. So that's... The slide that had the echo kind of pulled apart with all the little gears in it made me think of a, uh, an episode from The Simpsons years ago where they had a, a science fair, and the kid got a special award for being the only kid who clearly got no help from his parents. <laughs> and that's how I feel when I come up after slides that look like that. So that was really cool looking. So, uh, so just a recap. I spoke here last year. I'm not sure uh, who got to attend. But as a recap, um, I want to walk you through how Capital One approached the skill um, my personal interest in it, and then um, some, some things we've learned along the way and some developer tips and tricks that will hopefully help you out. So for me, that's my boy. Um, he gravitated to the Echo faster than any technology I've ever seen. Uh, I think it's one of the you know, few truly intuitive technologies that come along. Kind of, Everyone talks about intuitive UI and intuitive apps, and just sort of by definition of what's intuitive, th those can't be. But communication really is. Um, the problem is it was so early on that Alexa really couldn't do much, so he asked her to tell him a joke about a million times, play songs, and that was about all he could do with her. So I started thinking, how can I introduce money to a kid uh, in an increasingly digital world in a way that's a little bit more tangible and something that he's naturally gravitating to? So that, that's how I started with it. And then Capital One did what we call CDD. Anyone know what CDD would be? It's conference-driven development. So big companies, we, we try to get 
people to buy in, uh, get support than the company saying, look, hey, we can do it at this conference. We can get a lot of attention, a lot of fanfare. So we were at reInvent last year showing our prototype. We launched it South by Southwest. We went to Grace Hopper and uh, did what we call semantic search. So you can ask things like, how much did I spend on dining last month or how much did I spend at Starbucks? Uh, and then we come back here this year to just uh, to share what we've learned. So the three different steps are um, how Capital One approaches any project in general, but specific to the Alexa, and then the, the what we've learned and the tips and tricks along the way. So we we designed thinking at Capital One. We went to Stanford's D School and and learned empathy-based you know consumer research. We bring people into our user lab, which is that image on the right, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, and talk to them about new technologies. Now the the Echo was so new, we spent as much time telling them what an Echo was as we did trying to figure out if they wanted to use uh, Capital One through that. So you're welcome for peddling your, your product <laughs> for you there. Um, out of curiosity, how many Capital One customers are in attendance right now? Very good. Who don't work at Capital One? All right. <laughs> All right. So what they said is, hey, this hands-free experience is really cool. So we, we knew the Echo was going to be a hit. Um, and then they're interested in hearing about their account information, so what I call read-only information, just gleaning information about your account, asking questions. And they're open to doing what I would call right conversations, so changes to your account, moving money, paying bills. However, concerns about account security. So how can we connect their Capital One account to the Alexa platform in a way that they feel secure? Uh, lack of physical privacy. So unlike a, a mobile phone or a laptop, anybody can walk up and start talking to it. Uh, how do we make them feel protected against that? Um, sensitivity around third-party data, so whether it's Facebook, Apple, Amazon, people don't want to feel like their information is being shared with another company. And then even if we can get them over all those hurdles, they really don't know how to talk to a bank. So short of walking into you know, a retail uh, outlet or, or calling the call center, there's, there's really people haven't sat back and thought about what kind of questions would they ask. So we had to solve for that as well. And then what we heard them tell us along the way is they had two primary needs. One was helping perform a task. And this is something where I think increasingly as we try to go where the customer is, if you picture people in their home doing something, right now if you want to do something with your bank, you have to stop what you're doing, either log into the app or sit down on your computer, log into the website. And you're really, it's a distraction and it's a dedicated amount of time. We want to help them perform a task in the context of everything else that they're doing. Um, and I'll, I'll walk through that in a little bit more detail. And then the rest of it, all the other questions are really trying to figure out, am I okay? So when people are asking about their account balance and other questions, they're really trying to see if financially, are they on track this month the same way they were last month? So performing a task, people wanted to transfer money, pay their bills, sometimes get a new card, dispute fraud, um, pay a utility bill. So we wanted to figure out which ones of these were the most relevant and which ones were gonna be most frequently used. And then, am I okay? Um, all sorts of different questions they wanted to ask their bank. And the one that stands out to me is, what's left in my checking account? So is the person asking this question affluent? You know, probably not. So we had to keep in mind that while the Alexa platform through the commercials has been brought with like a lot of humor and, and levity, finances aren't necessarily humorous to a lot of people. It's really stressful and it's a very, very personal conversation. So we had to be sensitive to that as well and pick up cues when people are trying to have fun with us and when people are stressed out. So we took all that and then overlaid it on top of what Capital One as a company would be comfortable surfacing initially, and this was our initial feature set. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about security in a minute, but that first one, paying your credit card bill, in the worst case scenario, if somebody either steals your Echo or compromises your Amazon account and your Capital One account, the worst thing they could do to you is pay your credit card bill for you, which, <laughs> which is kind of nice. Um, and then some of the other questions are a little bit sensitive, but it's not going to destroy you for the most part. 
Um, so we felt comfortable going out with this as long as we addressed the security concerns. Uh, so we launched that in March. Um, what we learned along the way? Um, if you think about a financial moment where you have to pick up the phone and call a call center, um, are you going to get an automated machine? Are you going to get a real person? Are you getting a person who's at the beginning of their shift, at the end of their shift, just got off the phone with somebody who was really in a really bad mood? You, you don't have this consistent experience when you call into a call center. So how can we use this platform to repeatedly give somebody a consistent, pleasant experience and make them want to come back and use it again? So what we really had to learn is how to speak in our customer's voice. Banks have done a good job of teaching people how to speak to us. Um, they talk in transactions. They talk in account balances. And, and we haven't done a very good job of, of learning to talk like real people. So we had to make sure we didn't come across as too robotic. You know, what, what exactly do you mean by balance? Which balance? Um, we didn't want to have a bunch of legal disclaimers. Well, the balance is only valid if you don't include your pending and posted transactions, and we can't take any you know, responsibility for the accuracy of it. When, what they really want is just, you have 470 bucks. Um, and that is a surprisingly uh, large effort. So the technology of the Alexa platform we thought was very straightforward. We spent a disproportionate amount of time trying to get the conversation right so that we could catch the, the question accurately and respond accurately. So if you think about intents, the breadth versus depth, if you have a very well understood language, I use baseball in this example, so you have batting averages, you have ERAs, you can have a lot of intents around who has the highest batting average, lowest batting average, who, who had it in 2006. You can create a lot of intents without a lot of utterance examples because it's a well understood, uh, well understood language. Ours, we had no idea. So we had this very broad set of sample utterances and a very small number of intents, so we wanted to make sure we got the conversation right. For example, there are over 150 ways we've allowed people to ask about recent purchases. Uh, when we first started, we thought, hey, we'll have you know, the last four of your account number or maybe your account type. So you can say credit card or Quicksilver card or rattle off the last four, and, and that's how people would talk. What we found out, though, is people ask things in all sorts of different ways. And we, we learned this through our call centers. We learned this through our uh, user lab. And then we learned it as we got feedback from the skill for ones that we were missing. And then one of the more interesting ones is sometimes people don't even ask any information or give us any information at all. They just say, what did I buy? We have to figure out what, what time period are you talking about? Uh, which account are you talking about? And, and again, try to help the user get some useful information um, without making them have to work for it. Uh, the biggest thing for us, too, since this was one of the first skills that was going to provide specific information about you, this wasn't trivia, this wasn't cat facts, this was providing sensitive information, is how to balance security so that people felt comfortable using it, but not making it so inconvenient that Dave said, you can just go into your mobile app or onto the website and do it just as fast. So some of the things we looked through is account linking. How do we connect their Capital One account to their Amazon account in a way that makes them feel secure? Did we want to use mobile integration? So one of the most secure ways is to send a push notification to your phone uh, to confirm it. Um, then use a secret phrase to activate it or using a spoken pin to activate it once you go into the skill. So what we balanced that with was, we worked with Amazon on, on OAuth, and I think we're one of the first skills to use OAuth coming out the door. Um, so there is no information being passed between Capital One and, and Amazon. We can confidently tell our customers that. The, there is a spoken pin for people who want that, who are not in a private home. But if you do live by yourself or you're not worried about the privacy, you, can, you don't have to use it. And then we really wanted to preserve the hands-free convenience of the Echo. So we, we eliminated the mobile push notification from the solution. If I had to summarize this all in one slide, when you're building your skill, a bad, avoid the bad first date. 
So Amazon is your friend who is introducing you to a customer and you're going off your first date. Don't blow it. So, and how do you blow it? You, you blow it through awkward silence, forced conversations, no personality, not being able to get a word in edgewise. So unlike a web page where you have progress bars and images coming in, when you have silence back from an echo, it is 10 times more painful than on a web page. So you have to have extremely responsive APIs uh, and make sure that the, the light on the echo is not sitting and spinning too long. Forced conversation, again, make sure that you catch what the customer is trying to ask you, and in cases you don't, um, you just have to keep iterating the skill, listen to your customers, and updating it. No personality. Uh, again, Amazon brought this out with some levity, so look for opportunities to have fun with your customers when they ask for it, and if we have time, I'll show you a demo where we do that. Um, and then not getting a word in edgewise. One thing we learned really early on is what looks great when it's written out. We wanted to provide a response to, to a question and then when you hear it, it's just painful, especially if you hear it more than once. And so make sure that you're not too verbose, but don't be so terse that it comes across as like rude and, and impersonal as well. So in addition to, to some customer feedback, we, we found some developer tools that have been really beneficial and helped us accelerate development, one of which is an utterance compiler. So there are some of these available on GitHub. Our, our language was so unique that we decided to roll our own. And every time we add a new slot type or, or a new capability or, or a new way of speaking, we just run that through the compiler and spit out the utterance examples. And we have tens of thousands of utterance examples now to the point that it's kind of unwieldy. And I think Amazon will, will continue to iterate on this platform and um, hopefully take the burden off the developers to keep building out these utterance examples. Because there are some cases where we're doing things that um, we think probably Amazon should be doing for us. And Amazon has been great to the developer community. They listen. So as you find things that are slowing you down or not able to get a scale up fast enough, um, they're very receptive to it. The other thing we have, um, I always joke, like the, what should be most evident on this slide is why this team is working on a non-UI project right now. This is like the ugliest thing I've ever seen. But it's, it's extremely handy. So if, if you look on the left-hand side, those are the different intents you can kick off. And on the right-hand side, you can plug in values, and on the bottom, you get what Alexa will say. We have different types of accounts, and so because of OAuth, switching between accounts is extremely inconvenient. And then sometimes having a physical device is inconvenient. So this lets a product developer or designer, anyone, sit down, just plug in some values, and then see exactly what she's going to say. So this has been tremendously useful. We're probably going to open source this, so, um, but it's not that complicated. So I would suggest building something along the lines of this as well. Scott, I yes. um, one of the things, too, when we were talking, I found this super interesting. And you, and you may see these themes come through. The way I like to, oops, sorry. Oh, no, it no, it <laughs> the way I like to phrase it is that it's no longer a programming problem. It's a presentation problem. And so if you want to see what it's like creating a really engaging voice-driven experience, have your engineers create a PowerPoint presentation for the product. Because it's like that. It's n in the past, we could say, we need to get, uh, and we were talking about, like we need to get four digit account number right. from a human being, and that's our interface in our mobile app. And we're gonna bring a designer in at the end, and they're gonna make it look good, right? But that's not the way we work at human beings now. So now it's, uh, it's almost like, as you go through this exercise, you've probably all had that conversation how do I get to the cloud? You want to bring other people into the organization in here. Um, we talked a little bit about call center. 
Um, and, you know, how do those folks, a lot of these questions were coming from what actual human beings right. were asking for data. So this was a real chance for your team to look and say, Capital One, you know, this is actually how people are trying to communicate with us. And I think you're going to find that in a lot of uh, business scenarios is suddenly um, it's no longer about programming. It's about relating how we actually ask these things as human beings uh, yeah. in a natural way. And this tool, which I thought was so cool about this, is as they went through things, they would see how Alexa would sound. Right. And um, you can't do that in a unit test. Have you ever done a unit test where at the end it says, fail, this sounds horrible, right? <laughs> it's, you need human beings. Then at the end, you know, and as human beings, we can just make all those calculations in our head. We understand context. We understand what just feels weird. And so at the end, when a human being hears that, there's nothing wrong with it programmatically. It's perfect. The information is accurate. But you're going to feel that as a human being that, no, this is not, this doesn't feel right. Um, it's not giving me the right kind of information. And as you go through this, um, you're going to figure out, and your customers are going to tell you too. Um, we see this with other skills, and we see this with Alexa. We hear, it takes too long to ask for this. I don't like the way I ask for this. And so having a tool like this, um, I thought was really cool, because it helped you do that on the Well, the other thing is, is too, back to who gets involved with this. All the conversations around placement of features and, and arguing for pixel real estate completely go away. And so from that, stand, from that standpoint, it's a lot more efficient. If you put in a feature that nobody uses, there's, it doesn't clutter up anything. It's just a question that nobody asked. And so you don't have to debate whether or not to do a feature. Put it in. If someone uses it, great. If somebody doesn't, there's no damage done. You're not, you don't have this cluttered UI, and you don't have those design arguments. Um, this really is about making sure it sounds realistic, sounds like a person. Yeah. and. There are opportunities here to surface the personality of your brand far more than a website or an app ever could. So a lot of, like, we look at what the other banks are doing. You, you, some of the banks are showing, like, pictures of their app in their commercials. It's like, it can look slick, you know, but there's no personality to it. There, there's just no way to do that. But when you can actually communicate through voice with your customers, that is an opportunity that most brands have never had before to actually let customers hear how you talk, what you say, and, um, and just strengthen your brand positioning that way. And one of the, um, the, the things that you guys have done with your interaction model, and we recommend this in your Lexus skill, is have a catch-all. So if you haven't figured out every question someone will ask, Alexa will still match to that and send it to you. And your response may be, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't understand what you could say, or I can't do that. Did you want something else? But we talked yesterday mm -hmm. about in the moment. If you catch me in the moment, I'm going to give you real feedback versus asking me at the end with an email saying, how was your experience with Capital One? And people tell you in the moment. We see this with Alexa. Like, I've seen this before where I'll say, I'll ask her for something that's the wrong thing, and I'm like, Alexa, that's not it. Shut up. Right? Um, if you have the ability to listen when somebody tells you something and say, no, that's not what I wanted, and you can match that, you can actually get in the moment analytics that you can, unlike you can get in a mobile or asking for a web form or follow-up email. And, and that was uh, one of the things I was going to point out for the developer tricks as well. So one of the first things we learned that we weren't catching 
the most missed utterance we had after somebody asked for their credit card balance was, can you pay it for me? And, <laughs> and the answer is easy. We just say no. But, you know, that's also an opportunity. Like, we have some fun. And we were going to put in a, uh, an Easter egg where, like, every hundredth person or every thousandth person was going to get a $50 credit towards their credit card just as, like, a little surprise and delight moment. Um, we didn't have the budget for it. <laughs> So, uh, some other tips. Um, distinguishing between the first-time experience and the returning experience is, is really important. So, when we first did the skill, when you go into it, we said, welcome to Capital One. You can do things such as blah, blah, blah. And that's helpful for the first time. It gets really annoying the second and third time after people have figured it out. So, find the right time to say something maybe once or twice, um, but then distinguish when they come in uh, and not say it again. People will learn over time. There's a lack of linear navigation in, in the voice UI world as well, where, or voice experience world, where there's a strong breadcrumb trail for web and mobile apps. You know where somebody's going, you know where they've been, and they're usually explicitly clicking on something to do that. With our conversations, somebody can go from asking for their account balance to just saying they want to pay a bill. And we have to remember, are they still talking about the thing they asked about last time, or are they off onto a new topic? So keeping context is really important and making sure you understand when, that, when it's switched. Back to what Dave was just saying, utilize the fall-through intent. This is extremely valuable. Um, I think there was a dashboard in the works for some of the missed utterances as well. Uh, but if you put a literal at the bottom, you get a lot, a lot of information back from your customers there. And once you aggregate all that, you can start working on a priority list of which questions to build in capabilities for next. Um, leverage A-B testing. So again, there are some people who want to have fun with this. There are some people who want to just be very tactical about this. Look for opportunities to give two different types of responses and get the feedback from customers for which one works better. Uh, in a case where somebody's pretty stressed out about their finances, we want to make sure that we catch that and we give them one type of response. In a scenario where somebody's having a little bit more fun, uh, you can change it up. But figure out what works well. And as part of that, find a beta community. So the skills today, there's really no beta. It's either live or it's not. There are thousands of skills out there, so you don't worry about shipping it too early having a bunch of people berate you with you know, zero and one star ratings. Get it out there, find a beta community that's very forgiving, get their feedback, and again, test and learn your way into, um, into the experience. And what I think is the most important thing is, has anyone here worked with uh, the accessibility community in the past? Anybody? Not too many? A few? Um, for about seven or eight years, I worked with visually disabled folks, and that was a world with no UI. This was, you had to learn really quickly um, how to help navigate, how to get information to somebody as quick as possible, and, and more importantly, like don't let them get stumbled up as they try to navigate through your UI. And so that experience, I think, is immensely valuable where trying to, again, not be too, too verbose, try to get somebody the right information and, and help them. If you've ever seen somebody try to use uh, like a screen reader on, uh, on top of the phone, it can be extremely frustrating and it's aggravating and it's stressful. Um, even more so than visually impaired, there is mobility impaired. So there are people who have a lot of issues using either a keyboard or a phone. And where this is a convenience and a nice-to-have kind of toy for a lot of us, this is probably going to be the most enabling technology um, in the past 15 years for people in, you know, visually disabled and, and physically disabled that will allow them to do things that they just can't do today or have a lot of uh, difficulty doing today. One of the things... Um, tying back into integrating with what they're doing in the, in the home. So if somebody's going through mail, 
and they want you know their utility bill comes through, and they want to pay that. Um, if you're visually disabled, you've got one set of challenges. If you're physically disabled, you've got another set of challenges. But either way, it's going to be a pain to pay that utility bill. If you're just opening mail and you can tell Alexa to pay your utility bill for you, and just go back to going through the rest of your mail, there's a lot of there's a lot of power there. Um, and one of the new features I'm going to show now is um, activating a new credit card. So you get a new credit card in the mail, as opposed to picking up the phone and calling a phone number and, and activating your card or logging in and activating your card. If you can just tell Alexa to activate your new card, you didn't distract the person. You integrated into their life versus having them have to come to you, and I think that's really important. Um, the other thing is uh, card obfuscation. So some of the information we read back to you is sensitive. Right now it shows up in the card, and if you know if somebody grabs your phone, they can see everything that you've said. So we're going to obfuscate some of the information coming back, such as last four uh, and, and other information that we think is sensitive. For the flash news briefing integration, if your credit card is due in a week, we would like to read out to you as, at the end of your flash briefing, probably before, right before the weather, saying, you know, don't forget your card is due in a week. The challenge we have is we have authenticated information to send back to the user, which is not currently supported by the RSS-based flash briefing integration. So we need to work with Amazon on how to get the, that capability in there. But that's, again, a value that you bring to your customer instead of forcing them to come to you. Um, locking and unlocking a credit card. So if you get up in the morning, you don't realize what happened to your credit card last night, which may have happened to some of you in Vegas uh, last night. In, instead of picking up the phone or going into the app, you can just tell Alexa to lock your card until you remember what you did and, uh, and then turn it back on again. So I think we actually have some time for the demo. So um, is it in here? Yes. So Dining Explorer is something we're working on. It's currently available in the Capital One Wallet app. But I promised the team that if they got it working on Echo, the Echo, I'd, uh, I'd demo it for them. So this is what I call like a quantitative Yelp. So whereas Yelp is based on uh, user reviews and, and uh, a community like that, we are basing on credit card transaction data. So people are speaking with their credit cards. Where are they eating? What's a trending place? Where are people spending more money? Where are people spending less money? We even know what's, where locals eat because your zip code is tied to your credit card. And so in the aggregate, we can see where people who live in Vegas go versus where all the tourists go. So again, if the demo gods work, Oops. Alexa, ask Dining Explorer for a local Chinese restaurant. Come on back. Local Chinese place near Las Vegas, Nevada. Pin Kao Thai restaurant. Customers spend around $43 here. Anything else? Alexa, stop. Thank you. So not only do we know where they eat, but we know how much they spent there. So if you're having a bad night in the casino, um, there's one type of question you can ask. And if you're having a great night at the craps table, you have a different question you can ask. So Alexa, what's a cheap restaurant in Vegas? Oh, shoot. Here I'm are sorry. a few of the top-rated oh. restaurants around Vegas. Alexa, stop. Shop, sorry. China Hot Walk. Alexa, stop. Uh, so that was actually Yelp. So here's what's better than that. Alexa, ask Dining Explorer for a cheap restaurant in Vegas. Oh, Alexa, ask Dining Explorer for a cheap restaurant in Vegas.
cheap place near Las Vegas, Nevada, in Anna Burger. Customers spend around $13 here. Anything else? What's a high roller restaurant in Vegas? High roller. If anyone remembers the Super Bowl commercial with Alec Baldwin where he woke up, he didn't know what happened last night, but the paparazzi were following him and he tore his like, cashmere socks. It was, it was like, what happened to me? So we're working on that, and it's actually going to come out in our skill in a couple weeks. But here's a, a sneak peek of it. Alexa, ask Capital X what happened last night. I don't know what happened to you, but here's what happened to your money. Transactions for $845 from last night. Would you like to know more about these? No. Okay. Make better choices, Scott. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And that's what we've got. So actually, that sound, that's like, I love that feature. And it's not that complicated behind the scenes. So what we do is we, we grab transactions between 8 p.m. and 3 o'clock in the morning. And if it's over a certain threshold, we kind of shame you. And if it's, if it's lower, we say, hey, you didn't do too bad. Have some more fun tonight. So that's what I had. Um, thank you very much. I think uh, if you'd like to, we've got a few minutes. Yeah, so I hope that the themes that you saw throughout this was making it feel human, right? Asking what happened to me last night, that's a very human question to ask versus, opening app, and, and uh, we talked about this uh, yesterday at lunch. If I have a transaction that my kids told me that they accidentally you know, bought something, I have to scroll through pages and pages. I can't just ask for that. So it's really about changing it so you know how we ask as human beings. Um, hopefully, uh, you've enjoyed this Alexa session. We have a bunch of Alexa stuff going on. In fact, we've created a page. So if you go to bit.ly Alexa reInvent, you will see the rest of the sessions that are happening this week. Uh, there's actually going to be an Alexa State of the Union address, too, um, that, uh, that um, I think you're going to really enjoy. And we have a hackathon. So if uh, you, know, you haven't created a skill yet, you've seen this, you found it interesting, and you're like, I would just love to be able to go ahead and create something, we're going to have hands-on workshops and hackathons that are available to you. Um, we also have an Alexa hackathon going on now at reInvent. And the winner of that will get a golden echo. Uh, it's like Willy Wonka, right? You're going to get a, a golden echo and $10,000. So if you have an inkling to create an Alexa skill, uh, now is the time. Uh, both Scott and I will be available up here uh, if anybody has questions. And I am happy to help you. Uh, with your Alexa skill for the competition as well. Thank you for your time. Uh, this was a delight to talk yeah, to you today. Thank you very today. much, everybody.